Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff. Today, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about commentating, and I want to talk about Gordon Ryan challenging four black belts. Commentating is tough. I've done a handful of events now. I've commentated five-plus hour shows multiple times. It is challenging. Being able to focus for that long and to talk for that long takes a lot of energy. It also requires a lot of knowledge. You have to know about the competitors. You have to know about the sport. Again, it's just not easy. But commentating is overlooked. I feel like a lot of these shows just do a poor job of choosing commentators, whether it's for the pregame, the actual event, or the post-show. All of those roles really, really matter. They can make or break an event, or they can take an event and even push it over the top like a good commentary team can make a good event great the pre and post shows to me those truly draw in the fans it provides the people that are truly fans of that event to get a better experience now currently the gold standard for commentary during an event is in my opinion tj desantis and brandon mccatherine the work they do for ebi and cjj is unmatched they're the best in the business I really feel like Brandon is the best play-by-play guy. Now, I know he's my instructor and like a brother to me, but he just does the best work. There's a couple of other guys that do a great job. I mean, Sean Williams and Jay Rugabuto are right up there. But other than that, I mean, there's not a very long list. Most of these regional shows, whether it's MMA or jiu-jitsu, they're just using random guys, guys that have zero experience. Some of these guys don't even speak very well. They don't don't belong on a mic doing commentary during an event. If you have not done even just a little bit of research. Now, some of these shows are very, very difficult. If it's a white and blue belt show, I can totally understand that. But if we're talking about purple, brown, and black belts, you should have a reasonable understanding of who those people are. I'm going to give you a pass. Again, if it's white and blue belts, they're doing super fights or on the undercard. I get it. You don't, don't need to know that. But if they're purple, brown, or black belts, you should have a decent understanding of who they are. But a lot of these guys don't. I've seen commentary teams that drink, that are talking over each other. They're just talking about other things, what they're going to do later, or about their own lives. I mean, I've heard it all. And it can ruin a show. It really can. I'm still waiting for a show to just get it perfect, right? To get a perfect pre-show, to get a perfect commentary team during the show, and then a perfect post-show. I absolutely love TNT squad for NBA. I love the pregame. I love the commentary team. And then I love the post-show. I mean, Shaq, Charles Barkley, Kenny. I mean, those guys do a phenomenal job. And then you've got EJ who's playing the TJ DeSantis role. He is the man. I, I just, I think they all work so, so well together. But I want to talk about the pre, the commentary, and the post show for who's number one, right? I think who's number one in Flow Grappling, they've got a pretty good commentary team. I don't think they're the best in the business, but I enjoy listening to those guys. I think they do a good job. They don't do a great job. They do, they do a pretty good job. I'd give them probably a six and a half out of 10 if I had to. It's above average work. But the pre and post show have, they just, 
they haven't been very good. I feel like some of the people they've had on like in their previous shows, they just haven't been very exciting. They haven't spoke very well. And then I feel like this show, you just had guys on there that I just shouldn't have been there, right? So this time they had Hollywood Mike and they had Ricardo, who I think did okay. I like both of those guys. But then they had Tim Spriggs and Calatera. And I wasn't really a fan of either one of those guys and the work that they did that night. Friday night was a really good card. The Who's Number One event was a huge step up over their uh, past couple. Particularly that last one that featured Craig Jones and uh, Pedro Mourinho. That whole card was really tough to watch. So this one was a huge improvement. There was a lot of exciting matches. But man, some of the comments, some of the takes, particularly by Calatera and Tim Spriggs, were just insane. Calatera in particular. I mean, Calatera's just the one thing. He said that Jacob Couch was the most impressive athlete. That he was most impressed with Jacob Couch. When he said that, I was like, there is no way. There is no way anybody could watch that match and get that takeaway. To me, being a commentator, you always have to be analytically honest, all right? Those are the people that I, I really vibe with. I want to get their honest takes. So when I'm listening to Chuck talk about, like, he'll give these wild takes, right? I shouldn't even say wild. Like, he'll just give his honest opinion. He'll be like, oh, the Lakers stink right now. But it's because the Lakers right now have a losing record. And he's like, no, they're not going to make the playoffs. There's no way they make the playoffs. But that's a possibility. That's something that could happen. Like he's watching their performances and he's giving that take. And he'll say it very harshly. And I don't mind harsh takes. I don't mind brutally honest takes. But I like takes that make sense. If somebody's just going to say random things or say things that just, there's no way anybody that watched Gordon Ryan versus Jacob Couch could come to the conclusion that Jacob Couch was the most impressive athlete. I get it. You can respect Jacob Couch for going out there and trying his best, but he got absolutely killed. I've got no issue with Jacob Couch. I like Jacob Couch. I like the Pedago guys. But Jacob Couch got killed. I mean, he tapped to pressure. He got dominated for 10 straight minutes and then tapped to pressure. So anybody saying that his performance was impressive is just to me loses all credibility as a commentator like or as somebody trying to commentate on the sport. And then Calatero went on to talk about how he thought Dante Leon was, wasn't engaging and how he didn't feel like he was bringing the action. It's like, dude, I mean, Mika versus Dante Leon was probably the best match of the night. It was the most exciting. Dante had a bunch of amazing takedowns. He was going forward the whole time. Mika was as well. I mean, it was a very evenly matched uh, fight. And I think the decision could have gone either way. I thought that was fight of the night. He said he thought that... Hasim Rita's win against, uh, or, yeah, Hasim Rita's win against Elder Cruz was a fluke. It's like, dude, he rear choked him in five minutes. Elder Cruz didn't have any offense. Yeah, he got a takedown, but then once it got back to the feet, um, you know, Hasim Rita timed the takedown, spun, took the back, and rear choked him pretty easily. I mean, yeah, I think Elder Cruz can beat Hasim Rita, but it definitely wasn't a fluke. I mean, it was just a great match. And he had some other things. I mean, just to me, all of his takes were, was like, I don't know. It was, it was just really bizarre. It was like he was watching a different event from everyone else. Even the people on the commentary team, the other guys, 
Hollywood Mike and Ricardo particularly were just kind of like, whoa, like, like, cow, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you saying right now? Or like, wow, like, I don't know about that. And bizarre takes like that, to me, it's just, it's just weird, right? And again, I don't mind if somebody gives a brutally honest take. So if you would have been like, look, I think Jacob Couch was, you know, was completely outclassed and he shouldn't have been in there. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a harsh take, but that makes sense compared to him saying that Jacob Couch was the most impressive athlete, or that he was super impressed with Jacob Couch. Just didn't make any sense. Then you had Tim Spriggs, who for the most part, I think did a pretty good job until he got into some of his WWE antics. And it was just kind of insufferable listening to Tim talk about, it was like Tim Spriggs was wanting everyone to know that he's the number one ranked grappler. Like, yes, he is the belt holder for who's number one. He is the number one ranked guy by who's number one, but he is a paper champion. Here's the thing about Tim Spriggs. Prior to his WNO success, yes, he went out there and he heel hooked Tossi Morita with an inside heel hook, but that was a match he was going to lose. He ended up catching an inside heel hook from 50 50 with very little time left. But if it went to decision, I think Tossi Morita won that match. His second match, he beat Tex Johnson, who was severely compromised. Orlando Sanchez had just really hurt Texas back, and Tex hasn't competed since then. And then in the finals, he beat Kynan Duarte with a really simple heel hook. Um, I mean, Kynan did not have his best performance, but fair play. Tim, champion. But prior to that, I think Tim was like 2-7 and seven with a bunch of submission losses. He lost to, I mean, Nicholas Marigali submitted him in the gi. Gordon Ryan rear naked choked him at ADCC. Craig Jones heel hooked him at a... Uh, super fight for grappling industries. Um, I know somebody else tapped. Like he'd lost a bunch of times. Like Tim's always been up and down as a grappler. Like he'll win some and he'll lose some. He's a good grappler, but I don't even think he's top 10 at his weight. Tim is not a guy that I think anybody's truly excited to watch grapple. I mean, he's had a couple of good performances. Obviously, the who's number one, he, he ended up winning. And then he won the ADCC trials. I believe he was a Nogi World Champion, but that wasn't an exciting performance. I mean, for the most part, Tim's matches aren't very exciting. And so to listen to him critique Gordon Ryan's performance was insufferable because it was just purely somebody hating, hating on a performance. And I get it. Gordon Ryan isn't, he can be insufferable. He can be an idiot sometimes. Some of the things he says are just truly outlandish, but there is no denying the dude's the best in the world and it's not even close. I mean, what he did to Jacob Couch. I mean, he made Jacob Couch look like a blue belt. He beat Jacob Couch as bad as I've ever seen anyone get beat. And now look, Jacob Couch isn't world-class yet. He's an up-and-comer on the rise. And I mean, Jacob Couch, has he's had a good year, but he hasn't had a great year. He's got a couple of big wins. But he's also been dominated a couple of times. Giancarlo Badani is the one that really stuck out to me before this match because that's Gordon's teammate. And Giancarlo passed Jacob Couch, took his back and choked him during the ADCC trial. So I knew if Bodani was could do that to him, then I knew Gordon was going to do that to him. I knew Gordon was going to beat him, you know, again, really, really badly. It was a big mismatch. And yeah, that's what it was. But for Tim to say that he was wasn't impressed at all and he thought it was a poor performance and i mean it's like again what what match are you watching 
what match are you watching that you know shows that you know Gordon had a poor performance? And here's the thing: I would love to see Tim Spriggs face Jacob Couch because it would not look like that. Maybe Tim Spriggs would beat Jacob Couch, but he wouldn't beat him like that. Not even close to beating him like that. And here's the thing about Tim right now: is Tim is the title holder for probably the biggest grappling uh, organization right now other than ADCC. But he doesn't want to take any matches. He wants to hold on to this title for as long as possible. He's not going to face Craig Jones. He's not going to face Gordon Ryan. He's not going to face any of these dudes. He's going to hold on to this belt for, again, as long as he can until they make him defend it. And for him to be on the post show saying... Again, these wild things and kind of turning it, it just his he the post show especially kind of turned into a WWE character. And I don't know, I've just never vibed with the WWE character vibe, you know. I love trash talk, I love that stuff, only if you're going to back it up. If I knew Tim Spriggs was gonna go out there and face Gordon Ryan, I wouldn't actually have that big of an issue with it. But when a guy's talking trash about another guy hiding behind the desk and hiding behind the mic. And he's not willing to go out there. Like, like Tim didn't give an honest, honest assessment of Gordon's performance. And I wouldn't, again, have an issue with that if he was going out there like, hey, I'm facing Gordon Ryan next. I'm going to show you guys that he's not as good as he says he is. I didn't think his performance is that impressive. Okay, totally dope. I get it, Tim. You're getting ready to fight this guy. But you're not going to face him. All right? You're not going to. The only reason you faced him the first time is because ADCC forced you to. You ended up in the same bracket as him, and you ended up facing him, and he beat you pretty easily there. And I think this time it's going to be even easier. So I don't know. I really want to see a show come together, just like a full pre-then commentary team during the event and post that runs smoothly, that has the best guys in the business. And obviously with how you know, infantile our sport is on the professional side of things, it's going to take a while for that to happen. You know, we don't have our Troy Aikmans and our Tony Romos or our Joe Bucks, like these guys that are doing this professionally for a living that are getting paid, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to do professional sporting events. But it's going to get to that point one day. And I really think people are going to be shocked again how much that adds to an event and how important that is to making an event spe- like special, like something that you really, really look forward to. Because I'm telling you, listening to these jujitsu guys, a lot of these jujitsu guys, it makes me really, really, really appreciate the work that I see on ESPN and TNT and CBS. Um, like listening to Reggie Miller talk, you know, during some of these NCAA March Madness games, it's like, man, you know, it's just an absolute pleasure. But I want to talk now about Gordon Ryan, because today he put out a a pretty crazy challenge. And here's the thing, right? I've just talked about Gordon's previous match against Jacob Couch. He just he looked flawless. His performance was absolutely incredible. You have to be able to put aside the antics and who Gordon is on Instagram and everything. I don't know the guy. I've been around him a couple of times. I've said a couple of words to him. That's it. I'm definitely not a friend. I'm definitely not uh, like a fan of Gordon Ryan. Like the guy's amazing. I wish he'd run for governor for Texas. Nothing like that. But you cannot deny 
his jujitsu. It is just incredible. It's like, you know, watching a, a master paint. I mean, he truly is just levels above anything we have right now on the scene. It's just inspiring to watch, honestly. And after this match, they asked Gordon, you know, kind of what's next. And not talking about the, you know, Andre Galvao and all the trash talk right there. I don't care about that. I'm wondering what's next for Gordon Ryan. Are we going to finally see an active Gordon Ryan? And he says, look, I am going to my doctor in a couple of weeks. And I'm hoping to get a clear and hoping to get positive news. And then I'm going to get back to competing as much as possible leading up to ADCC. And remember, ADCC is really huge for Gordon. He needs to come in at his best because he is trying to accomplish history. He's trying to go down and do something that nobody's ever done before. He's trying to win his division as well as the super fight. Nobody's even ever asked to do that, let alone attempted to do it. So he's uh, got a lot on the line in September. So I know he wants to get active and I'm sure he wants to compete every month leading up to ADCC. So who's next? And I don't want to hear Felipe Pena because I think, I mean, they're setting that show uh, showdown to happen to ADCC. Felipe's already jumped up a weight division. He's in Gordon's division. I'm sure the ADCC organizers are put them on the same side of the bracket. But if not, they'll meet in the finals, hopefully. If not, if one of them loses, so be it. But we're not going to see that match prior to ADCC. We're not going to see Buchecha. He's moved on. We're not going to see Adolfo. We're not going to see like a lot of these older legends. Who in the current top 10 is exciting in the heavyweight division? I mean, I've already said the number one guy is Tim Spriggs, but who cares about that match? Who else is there? I mean, I guess kind of Duarte, but he lost to Tim Spriggs, so he's not the champion of anything really right now. There's just nothing that exciting. And this is where we need a freak matchup. We need something to get us excited again. And while I could watch Gordon dominate guys like Jacob Couch for the next 10 years, just learning and watching and, and trying to digest and, and pick apart what he's doing, I also want to see something interesting and something, you know, or I want to see a match where he could lose or an event where he could lose. And so really drew my interest today when I saw Gordon had challenged, publicly challenged four black belts to back-to-back-to-back-to-back matches on a who's number one event where they would be 30-minute matches and he would face each of them one after the other. And so after the match was over, all they would do is wipe the mats down, they would call the next guy out, and then they would get right into it. And Gordon's done this before, but not like this. I mean, he's just, you know, he's kind of chirped at Atos. I mean, like, I'll fight all your guys back to back to back. But he's never truly made like a public challenge like this. This is a serious announcement. And while, again, you've got a guy like Tim Spriggs, it's like, look, Tim Spriggs, he's not going to fight Craig Jones. Him and Craig Jones are having words. But like Craig will fight Tim Spriggs tomorrow. Tim Spriggs is going to do anything he can to not face either Craig Jones or Gordon or anyone that could truly like make him look bad. Where Gordon Ryan, we've seen he's answered all of these questions. People said, hey, you haven't done it at IBJJF. Well, he went and won double gold there. You haven't won ADCC. Well, he's won multiple golds. He's got three gold medals now at ADCC. 
oh, you can't do it like EBI or, you know, he's done it in every single grappling rule set. And so for him, when he says, hey, I want to challenge these four black belts. So he challenged Patrick Gaudio, who's a really tough black belt, ADCC uh, veteran, not, not a medal. I don't think Patrick Gaudio has a medal, but, you know, he's a tough guy. He's really tough. I think he's a no-gi world champion. Um, he's a really good black belt. I wouldn't say he's an elite black belt, but he's, you know, top of the food chain not top five by any means. Victor Hugo, who's probably the toughest of all the guys he called out. Victor Hugo is a no-gi and gi world champion. Um, but at the same time, he's definitely a lot better in the gi. I haven't seen too, too much that's impressed me from his no-gi game. He's done some third coast events where he's done well. But like I said, he hasn't had any like transcendent performances that makes me think he could beat Gordon Ryan. So both those guys can't beat Gordon on their own. Then he challenged Tim Spriggs, and he challenged Pedro Mourinho. And Pedro just won the previous Nogi Worlds. He double-golded his weight and absolute. But again, I'm not that interested in Pedro Mourinho. I mean, we saw his match with Craig Jones. It was very, very lackluster. And I, I just don't see any way he beats Gordon Ryan. And it, it's, honestly, I don't think it would be close. So we've got four four guys that he's challenged that are all top black belts. But I don't think any of them are elite black belts. I think they're all very good. But again, they're not elite guys. And none of these guys on their own make interesting matchups for Gordon Ryan. They're not matchups that truly make me go, wow. Like, what if? What could happen? Felipe Pena, there's still always going to be that what if. Like, he's got two wins against Gordon. I don't think Felipe can beat Gordon right now, but could he? I don't know. I, I mean, he could. He is an elite-level black belt. Puchacha, same thing. Like, could he beat Gordon? Yeah, I mean, he could under the right rule set. I don't think he submits Gordon by any means, but he could edge out a decision or maybe get a point victory. Even Andre Galvao, it's like, I don't know, like, could he be? I mean, dude, look at Andre's resume. I don't think, especially after watching Andre at 1FC this past weekend, like watching him grapple compared to Gordon, I don't think he can, but who knows? I mean, he, he's he's got the most wins in ADC history. He's got the most championships. Like, could he beat him there? I mean, that's Andre's rule set. But all these other guys, it's like, look, dude, like, None of y'all can come close. So why not try and beat him together? Why not come together? And here's the thing. It's not like Gordon called out Hoffa Mendez, Marcelo Garcia, Andre Galvao, and Henner Gracie. Because it's like, look, all those guys are making millions of dollars off their brands. AOJ is making millions of dollars every year off their website, off their seminars, off their school. Like all together, they make over a million dollars. Hoffa and Guy are millionaires. Same thing with Mark Ar Marcelo Garcia. Same thing with Henner and Huron. Same thing with Andre Galvao. Those guys make insane amounts of money from their brand. All four guys that he actually called out are not. All right, none of them have websites. None of them have successfully selling DVDs. Um, none of them are that big of names in the sport. Like they all have, like people kind of know who they are, but nobody's like tuning into a main event because Patrick Gaudio's main eventing. Nobody's tuning in for Tim Spriggs or, you know, Pedro Mourinho. Like those guys don't sell. Not yet. But here's the thing. If they did an event like this, it would be, in my opinion, 
and until Gordon tries to win, uh, you know, the super fight and his division ADCC, to me, this would probably be the craziest grappling event ever. A black belt like Gordon Ryan, truly the greatest right now on the scene, trying to beat four very, very good black belts back to back to back to back. Can he do it? I don't know. There's so many what ifs in that scenario. What order would they come out in? Would they go with Victor Hugo, who's by far the biggest, who's bigger than Gordon, who's about 240, 250? He's a huge. Would they try and go Victor Hugo first, or would they go Pedro Mourinho first and try and get Pedro to, you know, with the high pace and the intensity to try and wear out? You know, where would they put Tim Spriggs? I think Tim is the easiest matchup for Gordon. Patrick Gaudios has a couple. I mean, he did well against Gordon in one of their no-gi matches for a few years ago. Gordon only beat him by an advantage. But I don't think especially the way that Gordon's evolved and Patrick Gaudio's evolved. I mean, that match was four years ago now. So I don't think that match is competitive currently, especially if we take points out of it. I just think with the who's number one rule set, none of those guys, again, come close beating him to get like like singularly. But yeah, could they beat him together? I mean, yeah, I think they could. I also think Gordon could make history and just dominate. But I have no idea. That's one of those things like when I think about bets, I don't like sure things. I don't like like Jacob Couch versus Gordon Ryan was purely to watch and appreciate how good Gordon is at jujitsu. But as a betting man, it's like, I mean, all your betting to me was like, what submission is Gordon going to get? At what minute? The over-under is, is he going to beat him in under five minutes or over five minutes? Under 10 minutes or over 10 minutes? But that's all you're betting on. You're not betting on if it's like who's actually going to win because we know it's going to be Gordon. And that's, that's the same thing like with, with these four guys. Is you're betting on Gordon every single time with all four of those guys. But together, it's like, I don't know, you know? A lot of people have commented like, man, you know, Gordon looked tired against Jacob Couch. Gordon's big. I mean, Gordon's 230. And while I think Gordon would do just fine, I mean, I just imagining, let's say his third match is against Victor Hugo, and he's already been on the mats 40 minutes, and Victor Hugo's coming in fresh. And then he's got one more match after that. Like, I don't know what Gordon looks like at that point versus a completely fresh Victor Hugo. I mean, essentially, you're shark tanking Gordon with four very, very good black belts. All black belts that are ranked in the top 10 by flow. Again, I don't think those are like the end all be all because like, like I said, I don't think Tim Spriggs is a top 10 grappler at his weight. But at the same time, you know, they are four top 10 ranked grapplers by flow and they're all very, very good. They've all fought some of the best of the best. They've had their moments where they've had really good performances. All of those guys have had really, really good performances. Maybe they're clicking and maybe Gordon's not. Because we've seen Gordon look lackluster before, not be at his best. So I don't know. I, th- I think that those guys would be, would be, I mean, they're not going to take it because of their egos. There's no way, especially like Tim Spriggs, give Gord- gives Gordon that satisfaction. Now, 
I don't know, like, because Victor Hugo and Patrick Gaudi have responded and they're like, oh, yeah, we'll do it. But there's stipulations, you know, there's always going to be stipulations. And a lot of people are like, look, this is a lose lose for them because if they beat Gordon, then it's like, well, Gordon wasn't fresh. Or if they all lose, then it's like, oh, man, those guys suck. But to me, that's not what's going to happen at all. To me, if those four guys get it, they'll get tons of respect. Even if they lose, I still would really respect those guys. And it's just going to push their brands so much further. And even if, let's say one of them does beat Gordon, then they'll get another match with Gordon where they'll be making more money than, you know, look, if the goal is to make money, they're going to make more money facing Gordon than anybody else. And their brand is going to skyrocket from there because everybody's going to be talking about this. If this event got announced for, let's say, June at who's number one, everyone would be talking about this for the next three months. Even the people that have zero interest in like following grappling competition, guys at your gym that do not watch grappling competition would be interested in this. They would be talking and wondering, you know, how this would look because this just sounds insane. It's just one of those insane kind of freaky things. This reminds me of like, Chemaev, right? Chemaev has repeatedly asked Dana White to have two fights on a card to start the night and then end the night. And I would just absolutely love that. I wish they would give him this opportunity to do it. I mean, look, they used to do three fights in one night when it first started. And I get it. And this is a completely different sport and there's different regulations and rules and everything. But man, I would love to see them go to Dubai where there's a little bit more leniency and they have Chemaev start off the show and end the show and just see what that looks like. Just see kind of a throwback to the old days where they fought more times, uh, you know, multiple times in one night. And I just I think it makes shows memorable when you have kind of freak cards like that. I don't want to always see that. I don't want to see Gordon always face four guys, but he's kind of, I mean, not kind of. He has. He's beat out the division. He he's beaten everybody. It's like when Ronda Rousey for a long time didn't have anybody to face. When you clear out a division, it's just not as fun anymore. It's like Israel Adesanya. It's like who does Izzy face now? He's cleaned out the division. Who does Kamara Usman face? He's cleaned out the division. I mean, until Chemayev comes back, I mean, Colby Covington's the second best guy. We all know that. So is it Chemayev? Chemayev beats Gilbert Burns. Now it's exciting again because, oh, Chemayev has that talent. It's like maybe, maybe Chemayev's the guy. He's, he's the double champ. He wins 170 and 185. I don't know. But freak, freak matches like this are a good thing. And people need to just look, clear your ego, right? Let that go. Because if you can truly think with a clear head, in my opinion, you'll realize and your managers or your coaches will realize that this will be the best thing. This will be this is a great opportunity, the best thing that can happen for you. Now, I get it because I've heard a lot of people also say, Look, flow grappling, let's say they pay you $3,000 to come face Gordon Ryan. Well, now you've got to deal with this asshole Gordon Ryan talking crap about you for the next two months. And you just know how much trash talk Gordon's going to talk. So I understand, like, it's still not a lot of money. It's it's not like, um, but to me, it'd be interesting. Like, let's say flow could get together $200,000. Like, if somebody can beat Gordon Ryan, they'll give them $200,000. 
that's where it's setting aside your ego. So the money's got to be right, but I definitely think it's something that all four of those guys should consider and, and do. Obviously, I'm saying this because, <laughs> because I am being a little bit selfish and that I want to see it, but I, I truly do believe that this would be a good thing for the sport and a good thing for all of those guys' careers. Because at the end of the day, what do we know? Losing isn't that big a deal. Nobody cares about a loss. It's about how you recover from a loss, how you handle a loss, and how you profit and capitalize after a loss. And we saw that from Conor McGregor. I mean, Conor McGregor took that Nate Diaz fight. He ended up losing, and then he ended up turning that into um, a rematch. A, um, a rematch, and he ends up winning. And, and if they do a trilogy, they're both going to. I mean, Conor will make another $30, $40 million off that. Connor's always responded to losses so well. He realized that, look, losses, it's not that big a deal. It's about how you come back from them. Until next time, guys, I love and appreciate you. Peace.